Welcome, 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 my friends. You are listening to It's Simply Digital, and I am your host, Lisa Williams. This is the podcast that gives you tips, tricks, and strategies to up your digital marketing game and make you a savvy digital success. We dive into all things business, entrepreneurship, and of course, digital marketing. You are listening to episode number 95 of It's Simply Digital. I am so excited to introduce this next guest to you, Mike Michalowicz. He is the author of Profit First, Fix This Next, and Clockwork. We dive deep into clockwork and how it really resonated with me in creating a strategy for my business to scale and automate and grow. So let's dive in and listen to my interview with Mike. Hey, Mike, thanks so much for joining me. I am so excited to talk to you today. I'm pumped to be here with you, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Okay, so I'm going to just dive right in because we talked a few minutes offline. I was introduced to your book maybe six months ago, let it sit on a shelf for a little while, ended up losing my job um, in September. I had a side hustle doing digital marketing and I did a a couple of clients that I had, lost my job due to COVID (laughs) in September and um, was on a trip in October and picked up clockwork and started reading it. And I just felt like I I was highlighting it. I was dog-earing the pages. I I was like, this book is speaking to me because I want to figure out how to get from where I am right now to get my business to running itself. I I love that you're on that mission. And and I would argue uh, it's extremely important that you, actually any entrepreneur does that. I I think the trap that some entrepreneurs fall in is we have a side hustle, we we, we turn into a full-time business, but really we've made made ourselves a, a glorified job. We, we go right. back and say, oh, this is my new job. But really the job of entrepreneurs, I feel is to provide jobs. Uh, there was a study that came out, um, I think it was the US census, but there was a study that came out and said that 7% of the employable population will ever be entrepreneurs or business owners. Um, so you are a rarity. Wow. Yeah. Wow, I'm writing 90- that down. <laughs> 7%. Which, which also means 93% of the employable population is looking for a good, reliable job. So our job is actually to be a provider of jobs. Now it doesn't start off that way. You can't necessarily open a business and the next day hire 10 people. It would put too much burden on us. But the trap we fall into is we do the work ourselves and then we think this is the norm. No, this is just the start. As quickly as we can, we want to start bringing in what I call fractional labor. People to start helping out in small capacities and small elements with, with the mission of extracting ourselves. It is actually the ultimate contribution to our economy is not to do the work, but to be the provider of the jobs. I love how you frame that because it's not saying I'm the entrepreneur, I'm going to do everything myself. It's bringing people up yes. with you and giving them you know, opportunities that might not have existed had this not been created. That's exactly right. And I'll give you the ultimate shortcut. It's not even in the book, Lisa, but I'll, I'll tell you, this worked for me. Maybe this will serve you. Okay. I, I changed the labels that I use for myself. So I love the word entrepreneur. It's, it mm-hmm. invokes so much positive feeling in me. And I love small business ownership, but it has become equated to hustle and grind. If you're an entrepreneur, you got to hustle it out. How hard are you going to work? You better sacrifice. 
And I think that is a bastardization. Entrepreneurship was never about work your butt off. It's been about having a clear vision to strategize, to, to organize resources, um, technology, people, customers and vendors to, to get everything working cohesively to, toward a goal. That's the work we need to do. So it's not hustle and grind. It, it's, it's visioning and strategizing. Well, I changed the label because I used to call myself an entrepreneur and that meant workaholic. I, I could not break mm -hmm. out of that. I invite you to use a new label. I call myself a shareholder of a small business. And I'll tell you, it, the next time you're at a cocktail party, Lisa or something, and someone's like, so what do you do? You're like, oh, I'm a shareholder in a digital marketing agency. People are like, what the F are you talking about? And it's weird. And you can just say, this guy, Mike, he's he's a little bit off kilter or something, but he's <laughs> doing what I'm doing. I've been doing that now diligently for well over a year. Um, and, and I slip, but every time I say it, it changed the way I see my identity. As an example, I own some stock in Ford, like 100 shares, like nothing, but I own a few shares in stock. Right. I'm a shareholder of Ford. Ford sent their distribution check for 13 bucks to me. And I didn't say, oh my gosh, I got this money from Ford. I have to go to the factory and work this off. And I didn't say, oh, I should return it to Ford and plow it back. What I did say is, I'm a shareholder. I made an investment in Ford. I'm taking risk. This is a reward for being a risk taker. The second thing is Ford uh, sends me um, basically voting um, sheets to vote for strategic direction of the company and the board. Who do you want to leave Ford, they say. And um, we're considering doing XYZ. What is your opinion about this? So I do two things as a Ford shareholder. I collect and share the profits as a thank you for the risk I took, and I give it strategic direction. We, you and I, are shareholders of our own small business. You may own, you likely own 100%. You're a massively <laughs> important shareholder of your company. Right. Or you have two jobs. To collect uh, the rewards for taking on the risks that only 7% of the population ever has the um, guts or the uh the kind of the mental blackout to do it. I mean, uh, but you did it. So thank you for that. So your job is actually to collect the profits for taking on that risk as being an investor. Secondly, your other job is to give it strategic direction, render opinion, determine who is running the day-to-day -day operations, the board of your organization. You give it strategic direction. The only point is this, you're, you're not gonna do it overnight. It's not like tomorrow, all of a sudden you just sit back and the business runs itself. We have to peel ourselves out to do that. But if we start calling ourselves a shareholder, I think the likelihood of us behaving that way improves dramatically. I've been doing it and I don't run any of my day-to-day -day operations in my business whatsoever. Mm -hmm. it, it runs itself. But I will tell you this, as a shareholder, and I own 100% like you of my own business, it does give me the right and the freedom to reinsert myself in the business in the way that gives me joy. I love writing books. You can see I got them all, you know, strategically right. <laughs> talk about marketing right there. But secondly, I also love being a spokesperson, like what we're doing right now. And that's the two things I do from my business, write and speak. Oh, gosh. Okay, so that is such a stigma in the entrepreneur world of grinding and hustling. I know. It's, I hear it, you know, I, are you familiar with Clubhouse? Yeah, oh yeah, that new platform. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, I'll jump on. I just hear it all the time, the grind, the hustle, the grind, yeah. the hustle. So I love how you reframe it because everything in this world is about reframing your mind, right? Just looking at things differently and just getting new perspectives. So I love how you reframe it to say, you know, you're a shareholder in a business that you took a risk on and you get a reward for it. So Yeah, yeah exactly. And I think we have to be very 
very cognizant of how we comply with our identity of ourselves. If we say, I, you know, the classic example, I suck at math, I will prove myself to be right by not practicing, uh, by making it more complex than it is. It's a confirmation bias that we all, we all have. It's just a human wire. Right. So if I hear entrepreneur and I believe that's hustle and grind, then I'll sacrifice family time. I'll work longer. I'll blow off my kid's soccer game just because I have to, because I'm an entrepreneur. I used to be a workaholic and um, it is, it, it is a sickness. It is a disease because I, I did miss my son's soccer games. I always had a reason to miss my daughter going to cheerleading practice. I always had a justification. And I used the most perverted line, which now I see how perverted it is. I'd say, I'm doing this for you. I would tell my family, you need me to work hard because I'm the provider. I have to do this. If you want to live a lifestyle that we define comfortable, I have to do this. Total lie. I was totally lying. And I was just lying to myself to make myself feel good. But what now I realize is, I can be the best provider for my family, for myself, but for my colleagues by not working in the business. Actually, I can lead by example. If I am at my son's soccer game and I'm the only entrepreneur that's there, that may start sparking other people to say, oh, you don't have to miss out on life again. So, right. I, yeah. So I'm going, I'm so boxing a little bit here. I'm getting a little bit. No, no, no. I, I think it's, it's the stories we tell ourselves, and that's kind of where we're going with this. It's, you know, like you said, if I'm not good at math, I'm going to prove every which way I can to show you that I'm not good at math. So I, I love, it's just the framing of, of what we put in our mind and how the stories really we is. tell ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we have to be aware too, that we, we choose the definition of success. I used to think I got to have the next mega company. I gotta have you know Sarah Blakely's Spanx billion dollar company. <laughs> I gotta have Jeff Bezos Amazon. Like that's success. And then I woke up one morning and said, "Well, can't the right size business find me? Can I? Can I? Maybe success for me is and this is my definition of success. I wake up in the morning. I can't wait to get to work. I end the day at work. I can't wait to get home. I love both those elements. It's such joy for me. To me, that's the ultimate success. And my business." Uh, is is allowing me to or uh, to share to learn what what I'm doing. It's a great form of expression. My family is is my ultimate joy, and, and when I brought this this balance in, actually both elevated. Um, I, I'm able to do more and have more uh, experiences at home. Actually, I, I, I I've taken I uh, every year I take a four week vacation. This year I took a four week vacation and my daughter. Uh, she, she, uh, I'm at home one night. She's like, Hey, I was going to go cross country during COVID by the way, but she was going to uh -huh. look at, um, these different, um, national parks out West, Yosemite, Yellowstone, uh, you know, Rocky Mountain, Grand Canyon. And she's like, I'm going with my best friend, but my best friend, um, can't go all of a sudden. She's like, do you want to go dad? And she's like, it's two weeks. Um, and I said, yeah, I've never been so happy to be a third wheel. Um, uh -huh. I didn't realize along with that came pay for every single bill, but I should have known that. So <laughs> that's why she invited yeah, yes, I'll you. I'll pay for the entire. <laughs> yeah, I'll pay for every trip, for everything we do, and I'll sit in the background. But I'm going with you, and uh, it was a joyous year to be with my daughter exploring these national parks, and because I'm a shareholder in a business, the business went on unabated. There was no problems, and the best part is every time I come back to, to my colleagues, we're small. There's 14 of us that work here now. When I come back, mm -hmm. I'm like, um, they're like. Mike, every time you leave, 
we actually feel even more empowered. Challenges come up, we have to lean into it. Um, there's, I would argue there's people doing work here that they would have never been able to do in a other small business where the entrepreneurs in control of everything. Right. People have expanded right. and feel empowered. I, okay, first of all, I went to Yellowstone over COVID. No. So beautiful awesome. place. Oh my gosh, loved it. Oh, it was just so, so stunning and so beautiful. And There's so much to see in this world. I love yeah, it. yeah, just memorable. Okay, I want to talk about clockwork really quick because yeah. this, you know, I'm four or five months into full-time entrepreneurship, full-time yeah. shareholder of my company. Nicely done. Nicely done. <laughs> um, and just recently brought on a, a VA and an online Excellent. business manager. Um, I was terrified. And I know you talk about that in the book and that's where we're, I'm kind of going because I feel, had that need, that feeling like only I could do it. Nobody yeah. else could do it the way I could do it. Yes. And the feeling, the scaredness, the, the fear of, oh my gosh, I'm letting money go out the door. That, yes you know, I might not have at this very moment. And so it's been a game changer for me. I feel like within a two week time period of getting them ramped up and up and running. And I use your little um, trick in here of recording videos every time nice. I'm doing a task Catcher. and I send it to them. So I feel like the my anxiety went from up here to about here. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I know on a podcast, you can't see that, but it dropped. Yeah, because just bringing those people on and outsourcing some of that stuff. So let's talk about the fear of those two yes. things, money and letting go of the tasks. <laughs> you nailed it. So that is the most common fear that prevents businesses from growing. I can't afford it and no one's like me. So we'll start off with the no one's like me. Here's okay. the truth. No one is like you. So the, the, what we're doing, many entrepreneurs do is we look for our clones. I mm -hmm. want someone just like me. But they don't exist. If that person exists, they've started their own business. You started your own business. Right, so right. sure to find them. But there are fractional me's. That's what we have to realize. If I split myself into 100 pieces, for those 100 pieces, there's probably someone that can do that one piece even better than me and the other piece and the other piece. So maybe collectively, it takes 100 people just doing their individual strengths just for you know moments of time that now replace me. So I call it fractional employees. It's usually the best thing to do. Here, here's a, when what you did is exactly it. Hire virtual help, part-time help, contractors. What a lot of business owners do, they say, I gotta find another me. I'm gonna hire a full-time employee and I'm gonna go from just me to someone working 40 hours a week, supporting all these things I need. I want you to see how absurd that is. Think about Google. Google's like one of the biggest companies, I think in the world right now, 100,000 right. employees. 100,000 employees. Could you imagine Google announces uh, you know, on Sunday, hey, tomorrow on Monday, we're bringing on 100,000 more employees. We're gonna grow, we're gonna double our growth. We're gonna bring everyone in. It would be such a jolt to the system. How do we get them trained up to speed? It's such overwhelm. They don't hire 100,000, they hire you know, 10 people one day, two. That's 100% growth. But as an individual uh, entrepreneur of, of one, you know, a one person business, if we hire one more person, that's 100% growth. It's identical to the absurdity of Google doubling in size overnight. We've doubled in size overnight. That is very risky. It's such an abrupt shift. 
and it puts such demand on us to train and do at the same time, it's actually unmanageable. But if we hire fractional people, people that come on and just fill a small role, that is easier to peel off. It also starts building our confidence. Oh, they can do this. In fact, it looks like they're doing it better or quicker than I am. Let me try another piece. It starts changing us from that stage of doing the work to starting ultimately delegating work and then ultimately designing a business. So there's four Ds. It goes from doing to deciding, delegating, ultimately designing outcomes. But we got to learn by actually going through experience. The other part, the money part, totally. Like, I, you know, I'm barely getting by right now. Right, um, right. I can't afford someone. I have to do more, which ultimately becomes a trap. As we make more money, our lifestyle will become a little more comfortable because we're making more money, but we're working harder to get there. At a certain point, we can't work any harder, but it's supporting our new lifestyle. We're now trapped. I can't, I still can't afford someone because my lifestyle is compromised. One way to look at it is through like an illustration. If you and I are hanging out, say we're, we're sitting on the beach and uh, a person comes up and say, listen, I'll give you a hundred dollars an hour just sitting here. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll give you a hundred dollars an hour. If you, if you leave the beach and start working your butt off, Every hour you work, I'll give it to you. Or sitting here on the beach, I'll give you $5 an hour. What would you prefer? For most people, they'll pick $100 an hour. I mean, I got to right. work for it, but $5 an hour, you can't live off that. But 100 bucks an hour, you know, I'll put in a good 15-hour day. I'm making 1500 bucks a day. That's a good living. But what right. if that, that same guy came back and said, you can make $100 an hour working your butt off right now, but you can send a speech and I'll give you 50 bucks an hour. Which one's better? Now it's like, well, 50 bucks an hour on automatic while drinking my ties. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> sounds pretty good. Yeah. So now it's kind of, you know, but hundred dollars an hour, you know, I'm a hustler, maybe I'll do that. So, but then that person comes back and says, sitting on the beach, I'll give you a hundred dollars an hour. And next week I'll give you a 500. And then ultimately I'll give you a thousand dollars an hour if you simply sit here or you can go work for a hundred dollars an hour. At a certain point it flips and it's way more appealing to sit on the beach. Well, as a shareholder of a business, what we have to realize is, Every time we engage someone as an employee and stuff and position them to facilitate the revenue of the business, the business is now generating money without our active input. There's infinite upside for that. But if we do the work, there's a capped upside. So having someone else do the work is money on automatic. We have to make that more appealing. And yes, there'll be a slow start. And yes, you may have to take a step back for six months or maybe even a year in your current active income, but now you've opened the floodgates for, for ultimate revenue growth and income growth for yourself and you haven't capped yourself. So I just tell people, consider that vision of where you want to be, on the beach getting paid or do you want to be back in the sweatshop getting paid? For me, and I thank you so much for describing it that way because I think for me, one of the things that I had to come to the conclusion was is if I let some of this go, I could bring on another client. That's right. And and I could bring on another client and, and right. you know, all the way down the road. And so I was at my bandwidth. I was capped at my bandwidth and grinding and hustling yeah. every single day. And when I I'm still capped, but not sure. as much as I was, you know, even just two weeks ago. I just started outsourcing some of that stuff and it just kind of like, huh. You got to breathe for a second because I think that's where entrepreneurs get to. For me, a solopreneur, you get your bandwidth is only so much. There's only so many days, totally. hours totally. in the day. An hour spent, you know, an hour spent filing versus an hour doing expert work um, mm -hmm. is still an hour. So, right. Say, say you were a doctor, say you're a brain surgeon. 
So Lisa, the brain surgeon, could you imagine, you know, a patient walks into your waiting room and you're like, oh, hey, good to see you. I'll be there in a second. I, I got to do surgery right now, but I'll check you in. Well, you know what? Let me check you in real quick. Give me your insurance card. And then um, <laughs> hang out here. I'm pulling from, like, it would be absurd that the brain surgeon's doing all this stuff. They're, they're First of all, they're putting the person in the waiting room with their skull sliced open. At They're, they're jeopardizing their life. Mm -hmm. Secondly, they're doing work that's distracting them from generating significant income. So what that doctor, what you would do is likely hire help to bring people in, do insurance claims and so forth. So you can focus in on that core function. The more you do brain surgery, by the way, the more effective you become at it. So it actually amplifies your reputation for excellence. Wow, Lisa does you know two brain surgeries a week. Um, she really knows her stuff. She's done hundreds now. So now clients that um, need that service go to you because of your reputation for excellence. You have the experience. So it actually elevates your experience. Ultimately, you have the choice then to even extract yourself from doing that. That's when you bring on other doctors and say, let me show you how to do brain surgery. And you start training them they take over and then ultimately now you are the shareholder of the business. Removing yourself from the day-to-day -day is not a switch. I met with um, Michael Gerber. He wrote the book, E-Myth. It's considered by many the Bible of entrepreneurship. And I, I think it's an, it is, it's an extraordinary book. The essence of that book, the thesis is don't work in your business, work on your business. Michael Gerber and I, we uh, did a keynote together in um, Monterey, Mexico. This is many years back. Afterwards, mm -hmm. we went out for dinner. I sat him down and we discussed E-Myth. I was actually actively working on, on clockwork at the time. And this, be, this actually conversation became the inception point for what I call the throttle. Many readers of E-Myth and myself too, thought that one day things would switch over. If I hustle and grind long enough, one day the business will run itself. It's a switch. <laughs> one morning I'll wake up. And uh, as we discussed this, it's very clear it, it's a throttle. You're, you're slowly moving toward being a shareholder out of the hustle and grind. I liken it to uh, conjoined twins. Like most people say, oh, my business is a parent. I'm a parent. My business is my child. I'm going to raise it and one day it'll come back and serve me. Uh, which, by the <laughs> way, if you have children, they don't. Know no, they don't. They don't. They don't. They, they don't. don't. They, they keep on seeming like leeching off you until they're yeah. in their 50s. But, yeah. but um, if you see it like a conjoined twin, you know, we are in lockstep with our business. If the business struggles, we struggle. If we're having challenges at home, the business is having struggles too. The separation is a very careful surgical process. You do it deliberately, but slowly. You don't just separate the two individuals and hope everything's going to be okay. You have to make sure that, that their survivability is addressed, that no critical organs are cut. So in our business, starting today, we must start extracting ourselves. Hire that virtual help like you have. And, and, and make sure that that's working and it's healed and then do the next extraction and the next. And, and yeah, maybe it'll take six months or maybe it takes a few years, but at a certain point, you'll be able to be fully disconnected. And uh, you, you always share a soul because you, you can conceive this business, but the business won't be dependent upon you. Upon you. Yeah. So, and it's, it was life-changing for me reading this book and implementing some of the practices. It really was life-changing because I'm going to kind of switch gears and go to what you call the QBR, which is the queen bee role. Yeah. And 
I just sat there for when I was reading this, I'm on an airplane and I'm going, what is my queen bee role? Yeah. I didn't, I couldn't even describe to you what it was at that very moment. And then as I started reading and doing some of the exercises, I was like, well, my queen bee role is to bring on new clients. That's Mm -hmm. the, that's the company's queen bee role. Mm -hmm. How do I do that? How do I shift what I'm doing to do that and, and figure out how to do that? And when I started that mindset of, of just even changing my mind to going, okay, this is my focus, I started filling up my calendar with potential clients. Nice. It, it was just that shift of figuring out what it was that was the queen bee role. Yeah, so the queen bee role, the, the idea behind this, it's a, it's a technique in biomimicry. Basically, biomimicry is you take something from nature, you translate it to another application, in this case, business. And uh, it came from beehives. Beehives are very scalable, if you will, organizations. And uh, every bee in the entire hive knows the most important function in the hive, which is the production of eggs. Happens that the queen bee does that. But the, the point I need to make is that the queen bee is not necessarily the most important bee. She's serving the most important role, but even she is expendable. If she fails to serve that role, they will spawn a new queen bee. Every bee knows egg production is what brings our survivability in place. So in our business, we do the same analysis. What's the most important element of our business? That's the production of eggs for the business. Every employee needs to know that that is served. In my business, it's writing books. I, mm-hmm. I need to produce extraordinary books. I have to put my all my effort into it. And my colleagues all know, if Mike isn't working on writing a book at the highest level, we as an organization are hurt. If I come out with a book that people say, oh my God, this is total crap. The business takes a step down. The funny thing is other things I do like speaking stuff. If I do a crappy speech, um, that doesn't matter as much. It it, it sucks, I do a crappy speech and maybe it gets out. But if the books are extraordinary, it carries the organization. Conversely, if I start saying, you know, I'm gonna do tons of speaking and who cares about the books? It doesn't matter because the, the books are now compromised and will start slipping down. So we got to pick the one thing and we just got to nail it. That's the QBR. And for me, it's books. And that that really, it made a huge difference in my business. It changed the dynamic of where my focus was because my right. focus at the beginning was I've got to just work for, for, do the work for my clients that I'm already have. And when I changed that focus, it I was like, oh, this is what I should be doing. This is yeah. what feels natural to me. And this feels good. So uh yeah it's been amazing so mike thank you so much for your wisdom for your knowledge i love this book it really it's been so empowering to me it's really changed just how i think about my business i love it well it's been a joy being with you lisa and thank you for what you're doing like it is no small feat to be an entrepreneur Um, and sometimes we get thrust into a higher level of entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. like you were um our society needs it like you know this this pandemic that's going to be a multi, we're in 2021 now, who knows how much longer, but it's a multi-year pandemic has shifted the face of uh, business and uh, it's entrepreneurs that are going to see us through it. So thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. I've enjoyed this. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to It's Simply Digital. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. It helps me bring on some amazing guests. And you could get a hold of me at itsimplydigital.com or Lisa at itsimplydigital.com. I hope you have a blessed day.